Welcome to episode what? 22. 20, Mary, you're episode 22. Of Double deuce. Creative <laughs> moonlighting, right? Yes. So super happy to have Mary Richardson on our podcast today. She is my um, yoga teacher who actually, I don't think I've ever had a chance to tell you that like you were probably one of the teachers that had the biggest influence on just my yoga journey. Right? Really? Yeah, because I think the other person, it was a combination of you and remember Mike Matsumura. Yes. Yeah. And so I think when I finally decided to get back into yoga, like I was doing, when I went to yoga yoga for the first time, it was probably like back in 2007. And um, I was only doing it because I was doing a half marathon training. Mm -hmm. And once a week on my schedule, I had to do stretching. So I was like, well, I don't really do stretching just myself. So I'll go to a yoga class. So I'd go on Monday nights to a vinyasa class once a week. So it was purely about stretching at that point. Totally about stretching. And I was like, dang, these other people can really do these <laughs> moves, you know? And then, um, but so, that wasn't my class. No, it, it was, was a Chris. Teacher. She had blonde oh. hair, curly blonde hair. Okay, I don't know. Do you know who it was? No. Mm -mm. So then Mike took over, mm -hmm. and I started, and I decided I did another half marathon training, but I started to go twice a week, and I took his class. And then after Mike's class, then I think I started going to your Hatha and your Vinyasa class, and then after that, I only went to your class, <laughs> and so. I would come home, right? And I would say, man, I really love this yoga teacher that I go to. I really like her energy. And Yeah, I, there, for a while though, I just didn't know, I didn't have a face with a name. So it was kind of funny because she had all of these friends that she yeah. knew through yoga that I was like, that's a whole other life you got there. I don't know, because yeah. I haven't, but which was cool because you know, it. I know I certainly have that too with, with filmmaker friends and other artists and stuff that I'm like, man, I know that person pretty well. And that person has never met my wife. Yeah. But, yeah. You know? It's always super interesting. So. so yeah, now I get to tell you that because <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just, there, Mary has a following, uh, has always had a following. No, not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, since I've known you, man, we pack in those classes and try to squeeze our mats in at the last minute. Yeah. So, yeah. So anyways, I'm super, super excited to have you here and uh, to talk about kind of your journey into becoming a yogi, um, also being a business owner. We want to talk about Studio Satya and then um, just what's been going on with everything the past. The craziness. Yeah. yeah. The craziness. Mm -hmm. So um, I thought an appropriate theme for today was leaning into discomfort. Um, and that is because even today I was watching one of your online recorded videos and I was like damn it Mary this is really uncomfortable <laughs> so I thought how appropriate to say lean into discomfort but also just living in a place of finding comfort in discomfort yeah mm -hmm. yeah the whole of 2020 <laughs> yeah For sure that's all that life has been so I guess I just want to know a little bit more I was like "Ooh, this is great I can ask Mary all the things I've wanted to ask her since uh, I've been taking your classes. But like, I'm really curious about how did you get into yoga? 
And like, I am also curious about, I know you go to Nashville. Yeah. Is that where you're from? Kinda. Okay, yeah. so yeah, tell us about that. Okay, Um. so my so my mom moved around a lot when we were growing up because she was a single mom and she would kind of go where she had work. And then eventually, I think it was in middle school, we moved to Nashville. And so she stayed there. And when I turned 18, I, I think it was 18 was the first trip. I I wanted something that was like that would get me out of Nashville. <laughs> um, and I had just taken a few yoga classes. I wasn't a dedicated yogi by any means. And when you were 18. This yeah. Is 18. Yep. OK. Mm -hmm. So I taken a few yoga classes and what I liked about it is it seemed like there was more to it than just the exercise. So I felt the discipline of the actual physical practice. And then I felt there was more than just the physical practice. And that was really intriguing to me. So when I started to get that itch of like, I got to get out of here, um, I was like, I'm just going to go to India. And <laughs> so I saved up money and I can't remember how I, how old I was the first time, but I told my family, I'm leaving, I'm going to India. You just I, chose India? Like yeah. you just said. Well, okay, so I found my first practice was Ashtanga yoga. Okay, yeah. And so Patabi Joyce was kind of like the, I guess you would say the founder of Ashtanga yoga. And he was in Mysore, India. Okay. So it was the thing to do that once you had practiced really that in. for a while, okay. you would go over there and you would study with him. Well, I had not practiced for a while, but I was like, I, I'm going to do this. I'm in. I'm, I'm in. I'm yeah. going. So I told my family I was going, which, you know, that was interesting in and of itself. And <laughs> and I was naive. I went with no plans except for the fact I was going to make it to Mysore, India, find this person and, and study. And then did you go? Were you planning to go with a group of other yogis? That no, were I was going you... by myself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So I get there and I'm so lucky that my mom had, you know, I mean, it's just probably that motherly instinct like, oh gosh, she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, wanna, yeah. I need to have something in place. So she had someone like a rickshaw driver there to pick me up and take me to a hotel oh, wow. that she had booked for two nights. And so luckily I had that because otherwise I would have arrived without any plans and stand on the street the first night. Yeah. <laughs> and arriving yeah. in a foreign country is you can't speak the language. You can't read the signs. Right. If the, if you know, the signs are written in the language and they don't have English, then it's overwhelming. Yep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so you get there. So I get there and um, I stayed at that hotel for the first two days and then I figured out how to get my train ticket, get down to Mysore and- How, where did you land and how far did you have to go to get to Mysore? So man, where did I land? It's a place that everyone, it's kind of like the Silicon Valley of oh. India, but I can't remember what it's called. It's man, I lost it. Okay, but it's basically just a couple hours away. Okay, okay, yeah, through through you know via train ride. So I got to Mysore, and then I found a place where a lot of people stay at that are there to study with Patabi Joyce, 
And I stayed there for a couple of days, just kind of recovering from the jet lag. Yes. Yeah, which was intense. And and then I started to make my way around the city and kind of find things and places that I needed. And yeah, so that was my my biggest exposure at that point to okay. yoga because I like I said I had barely been practicing. I'd go to a few classes here and there. Um, Were you super spiritual prior to? Like you said, you had taken a little, like done yoga for a little bit, and then you make this big commitment to go to India. But were you that spiritual prior? You know, I'd say that I was seeking something, okay. but I wasn't that. Sp- would you, would you uh, were you free spirited, kind of? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, free spirited, yeah. mm-hmm. and then so you could you were open to to take in something like that. That's a big undertaking, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how long were you there? You were there. So the- so that time I was, so I, I had planned on being there for probably, I'd say two years, however my, however long my money lasted. But then there was a, <laughs> there was like these events that just happened. It was crazy how it all kind of happened. But basically what ended up happening is I had everything stolen and I had just like emptied my bank account because there was some issues with me trying to get cashier's checks from the bank in India. And and I was leaving to go to this Buddhist monastery for a few days and I needed a handful of, of cash to go with me. And they wouldn't. And it's like, you know, in a moment of just impatience, like, just give me all my money. Right. So I emptied out my bank account and I had all this money in hand that I was then going to figure out what to do with once I got back from the Buddhist monastery. And I was on one of those buses where you're packed, you know, like packed. And there's um, you're having to elbow people to get off the bus. And during that process, someone was it was in the on the front of my body. It wasn't like it was a backpack. Someone picked it. Yep. They picked it. So they got all my money. They got my passport. Oh, no. everything. So I got off this bus oh, God. in the in the middle of nowhere where you have to take a rickshaw to go up to get to the Buddhist monastery. There's only like five people that got off the bus in this place one person was this western lady and i got off the bus and i went to get out my money to have it ready to pay the rickshaw driver it was gone it was gone and luckily that western woman she she recognized the fear in my eyes of like what do i do in the middle of nowhere she knew what happened to you too and she figured it out probably by my face and then she kind of took me in and She's like, I will pay for your place at the Buddhist monastery. That's where I'm going as well. Oh, wow. But anyways, that was wow. the moment when I realized, well, I'm done. I have to head back to the United States. How long? And it was three months. Oh, So three two years months. ended up being three months. Oh, yeah. my word. That is crazy. There's a there's a, a film right oh, there. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, yeah. When it, <laughs> so when it got picked, you were already three months in. Yeah. So you basically mm-hmm. went to the Buddhist monastery and then you pretty much had to book So how did you get home. back? So you didn't have a passport, you didn't have- It was a mess, that's a whole long story. But yeah, it was a mess. I probably stayed for another week maybe, maybe even two weeks, I can't remember, because I had to go to the embassy, which was across on the other side of India. And I had to get a new passport, but they wanted a police report saying that my, my passport was stolen. I, I guess because there's issues with people like selling their passports to yeah. others or oh, wow. I, i'm not I, sure why but yeah uh, well it, I, I it's weird I, I loved this book called shantaram 
and it was uh, have you heard of this yes okay so yeah. and he actually breaks down because he went he, he was fleeing from australia and it's a true story or most of it not all of it but yeah but he was fleeing from australia and um <clears throat> he had been an escaped convict so he he went in those days i think it was still called bombay and uh now it's mumbai but he he was there and he describes exactly what you're talking about and the black market for everything mm. uh, even what like what you did with taking your money out um which i don't know i meant to ask, did, did you end up changing it to rupees or, or or did you just keep it in american dollars I don't remember actually. I, I I know they they have a whole system over there. I'm sure it's everywhere. It's not just there. Yeah. But that where if people get money illegally, like you know, say they steal it or something like that, they can actually go and on the quote unquote black market. They'll some people will pay a certain amount to get that to exchange it for them, but they'll pay like a lower rate. So it's a way of getting what you need to be able to exchange something you didn't get legally right and you're having to take a hit for it but you know that's just how they kind of make money and they do the same thing with passports i'd read too so oh, okay. so that's probably why they were asking that although i don't know how the heck they would govern that you know once it's yeah. stolen it's stolen i don't know how you go find it you know yeah plus getting a police report after the fact right is must have been so i can't hard. imagine yeah. i just can't i mean i i it probably happens every day um, you know it's like a, any big tourist place here we, even in europe it was it was sort of oh, like the gosh, same yeah they were warning us everywhere we went about where to put our stuff you know mm -hmm. yeah so yeah that's wild so it's crazy okay so you are there you somehow figure out how to get back to the states and then you stay here for how long i was here for let's see i went back and it was about three years later i went back oh, okay mm -hmm. so what'd you do in between I worked at a restaurant. I managed a restaurant. I think at that time I was like a kitchen manager okay. in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Which and is a big food scene, isn't it? It's kind of like Austin. Yeah. yeah as far yeah, as the food say. scene, the music scene, all of that. And it's pretty active, you know, like people out yeah. and about riding bikes. What year was this again? So that would have been 2003 or four. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So then you go back, you work. You continue to do yoga. Right. So at that point I was hooked and I came back okay. and I found a studio and I practice regularly. Okay. And I was basically just working at a restaurant, saving up money so I could go back. And um, how old was the founder of Ashtanga? How come like whenever I imagine the founder of something, they're so old, but like how old was he when you I, met? you know, I feel like he passed away in it. I could be so wrong about this, but I think he passed away in his 80s. And that was, so I'm guessing he was in his 60s or 70s. So when Wait. you went, you did get to practice with him? No. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened with that? <laughs> mm, that's a story I'm not sure if I want to get into. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> but Sounds I, like a good one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe we do. <laughs> takes a different turn <laughs> um basically i found someone else in mysore that was kind of from the same lineage who his teacher was someone that had studied with krishnamacharya which is who patabi joyce's teacher was okay so most of the big name teachers in the west in this like hatha yoga tradition they all studied under one teacher, Krishnamacharya, right? Okay. So Patabi Joyce, Iyengar Yoga, right? Mm -hmm. BKS Iyengar, 
there's quite a few others. They all studied under Krishnamacharya. So I found another person in Mysore who was from that same lineage. Okay. And their practice was physically like Ashtanga yoga as well. Okay. But they emphasized more of the other practices such as pranayama, meditation. So needless to say, they weren't as famous. Oh, <laughs> okay. Why, yeah. why, would they, why would they not be as famous? Because you know, the, the West kind of has a more um, physical. This is a physical thing. This is not a spiritual thing. It's not a religion. Right. Okay. Right. I got you. I'm with you. Right. And that's not, you know, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that's everywhere in every studio and all over the West. No, but, but I've just, heard it before too. Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm not a yogi, but I have seen what it's done to her or done for her and her mindset and spirituality. So it was way better for our marriage, way yeah, better for me personally. Me. So I'm <laughs> like, yeah, keep doing that. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Okay. okay so that makes sense. Okay. So you um, come back, you continue. You're still in Nashville. Yes. So do you go come to Austin in between or do you go back to India? No. So I go back to India. Okay. And there, that time I'm there for about five months or so, but I made it an around the world trip. So I was gone for much longer. I don't remember how long, maybe eight, nine, ten. Oh, I don't know, wow. something like that. Great. Man, I'm learning so much in this <laughs> little <laughs> chat here. Okay. Yeah. So where did you go on that around the world trip? So you go five months to the same place, back to Mysore? No, I went all over India at that point. Oh, I stayed okay. probably three months in Mysore because, so you know how I go to Nashville all the time and I'll stream from a studio mm -hmm. in Nashville well, that's my best friend's studio. Okay. And so we met back in the day at that restaurant. She was the bar manager. Okay. I was the kitchen manager. And then we kind of moved to different positions. So the second time I went to India, she came over after just being married for a month. And by yeah. herself? Yeah, she came over by herself <laughs> and met me there. And then we studied with the same teacher I had met the first time. Oh, okay. For, I think we studied together for about a month. I was there for three months. And then after that, I traveled all around India and eventually made it up to Nepal and oh, gosh, then went to great. other places. Yeah. So when I got back from that trip, I went to Nashville, but not for long. I ended up soon after then moving to Austin and that was 2005. Okay. 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 Mm -hmm. So, had she practiced yoga with you, your best friend, in Nashville prior to y'all going? Yes. Okay. So I think, man, I can't remember when we met, but I think the timeline is after I got back from the first trip, that's when we met at the restaurant and we started practicing together. Okay. Yeah. Fun. And she's teaching uh, online classes now, right? Yes. Well, she opened to in-person classes recently. I don't I don't remember when. So she's doing both in-person and live stream. Okay. But she's teaching for Studio Satya, isn't she? Yeah. So what we so what we did was um I was trying to find a vinyasa teacher and okay. I was looking for certain things that I kind of want and Yeah. And then I just had this thought, I was like, why am I just looking in Austin? Mm -hmm. Like it's online, it could be anywhere. And she's an amazing teacher and we love working together. We do teacher trainings together. Yeah. 
And so I called her, I was like, I have an idea. <laughs> and at first she was really resistant. She's like, this sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's really not. You just yeah. give me your link. I plug it into my schedule, that's it. So she teaches one class that's on my schedule and I teach one class that's oh, on her schedule. Yeah. Oh, okay. cool, okay. So it gives you another teacher and it, and, I'll, and it would be a link that she would create anyways, right? It would be- uh, Right. Uh, so she she's not having to do extra no in fact i said look at my schedule see when i'm teaching and already teaching right yeah and then you just put that same class on your schedule Perfect. so it's a class that both of us were already teaching and yeah. now we're just yeah. and then you yeah. just basically are getting students from her studio and she's getting students from yours right that's perfect mm -hmm. that's great okay so then you end up going back to india for eight five months eight so you're months. now eight months total in India at this point, right? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. What was your favorite place that you went? Dharmasala. Mm -hmm. Okay, so where, what part of India it's is It's North that? India. Okay. Um, at the very top, and it's right next to the Himalayas. Oh, and it, okay. so basically when the Dalai Lama is not traveling the world, which I imagine he's not traveling as much anymore. Right. Um, that's where he, that's where he lives. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you went to, did you get to see where he lived? You mean his actual, like around <laughs> the area, like around the? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't have an image of where. I, know, he, I, I, like I have an image of where he lives, but I'm like, it's not. It's like a surreal image. <laughs> yeah, it's I not, know, and I feel like <laughs> it's like, does that really exist? Uh -huh. It's like I have to be okay with that. I'm revealing that I'm so ignorant about certain things. <laughs> no, when I don't, I don't know anything about thing. it. I mean, I know the Dalai Lama is a human being that exists and is very important to many people, but, but I just don't know. But does he live like in a palace or something? Yeah, that's what I imagine. No, no. <laughs> Where does he live? Well, I mean, I, I don't I don't really know like what it, what his home looks like, but yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she's like peering. I like have this image of, there's a movie called Seven Years in Tibet yeah. and Brad Pitt's in the movie and he just, like yeah, treks yeah. all the way and meets the yeah. Dalai Lama and it's a palace. Yeah. So, like, that's I mean, all maybe I it is. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you maybe, know? I don't know. <laughs> but so I mean, yeah, the, a lot of the structures are kind of like concrete structures, you know, it's a monasteries in different places. But mm -hmm. I mean, it's probably grown way, like way yeah. more than I can possibly imagine at this point. Because back then it was just two streets that kind of crossed at one point. Okay. And it's up on, on the, I mean, technically a mountain, like on the ridge, right? Okay. So there's not a whole lot of area where you can oh, kind wow. of build. But I imagine at this point it's much bigger. I don't know. Okay, wow. interesting. Yeah. I mean, that was two thousand and you know four, right? I think so. That's got to be a Google search after this. I know <laughs> we're gonna have to look up all of this stuff yeah. after. My thing was I was gonna go back every two years, and of course that didn't happen. So was that the last time? <laughs> yeah, that was okay. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, so then, so why do you think you didn't? Well, when I, I came to Austin, a lot of stuff was happening for me personally. So I kind of needed to get a grip and settle and take care of things. And, and then I started teaching yoga and just got really involved with that. And then I got married, then I had kids and you know, my, my oldest is five. And so technically let's say, you know, at least for six years I've been doing that. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's weird though, because it's like if, if you go there to learn, you know, more about the practice of it, and then you come back and you 
have been teaching it ever since. I mean, maybe all you needed was eight months, you know, <laughs> it'd probably be nice to go back, but maybe that's all you really needed to get you started. And cooking, yeah. You know, I'll be back know. though, for sure. Yeah. My, my friend that I've been talking about, we've been trying to make plans to go back together. Yeah. Just kind of waiting for a point where the kids are well, old enough. Yeah. Does she mm -hmm. have kids? She does, but will you her, take them or will her you daughter's go? a teenager. Will it just oh, be okay. the two of you or? You don't know? I don't know. Yeah. I would like to go just with her by myself again. Mm -hmm. And then I'd also like to take the kids because I think it's really important for the kids to have exposure to other cultures yeah. and other places. Yeah. So I definitely want to take them. Not right now. They're too young right now. Did you yeah. learn to speak the language there? No. No. You know, and in fact, it's it's where like each region has kind of their own language uh -huh, or each state uh -huh. yeah and so you know they say that hindi is the national language but not everyone mm -hmm. speaks hindi um kind of like the u.s i mean we all speak english but you go to different areas oh yeah and, you hear, right you hear different accents and <laughs> different, dialect yeah, yeah for sure. everything um okay so how i guess what was the most important things that you learned from going to india Oh, man. Um, well, a very personal thing that I learned is that I'm extremely resilient. I think I had no idea how strong I was. And after traveling as a woman mm -hmm. by myself and, you know, a white woman mm -hmm. where you kind of stand out when you go walk into a village, mm -hmm. you know, I, I learned how strong I was. Uh, I was <laughs> I was harassed a lot. So um i learned how to stick up for myself culturally mm -hmm. i mean really in indian culture is that a norm for the way men interact with women i don't i don't know okay. i don't know if it was if it was you know at that time you know some of the places that i went to maybe they hadn't had a lot of exposure okay and i like i remember going into one particular Buddhist monastery. And when I went into kind of like a restaurant, um, there were these posters of Britney Spears up. And I was like, that's so bizarre, oh, you wow. know? <laughs> and and I had this realization, you know, she's wearing basically nothing. Uh -huh. And, you know, in that culture, the sari or other, other um, dress, I can't think of the other name for like the pant type suit, uh -huh. you cover your shoulders, right? And That's so, their norm, but yet they had this picture. Right. And so so in my the thought I had was I, I imagine that there's an understanding or there's this this thought that, you know, Western women are a bit more whatever oh, word you want to use for yeah, it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I know whenever we went to Europe, I was like, I'm probably gonna see more naked people than I've than I've seen. And maybe I'll be one of them, but 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 I'm probably <laughs> that's probably gonna happen. And I just had that I'm like stereotype woman. in my head. And it kinda lived out to be true, but not really. Remember, I even got some short shorts for uh for uh Cinque Terre. I yes. We I went were... there thinking everybody's this is what they wear. Yeah, we went to Italy. Nobody was like, wearing that. Shit. Yeah, I'm going to get one of those. <laughs> I was the only one. I'm going to get some of those short swim trunks because that yeah. has to be the way that the yeah, style no, is. No. Right. No, it right. Is. Uh, you're the only one on the beach that's wearing little tight short shorts. <laughs> I think they think you're wearing your underwear. Yeah, so I got, I got rid of those the next day. <laughs> that's <laughs> really <right>. funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I imagine it's kind of similar where if that's the most exposure they've had you know yeah. they think that might be the norm yeah right? and they and see so. all probably all kinds of images and stuff you right know, and they probably call i mean i know this sounds funny but they probably were like hey britney 
You know, like yeah, as yeah. soon as they see uh-huh. one American that's white, <laughs> they're like, hey, Brittany. And you're like, no. Well, for sure, like where we grew up in Corpus, uh, you know, you had, well, Filipino, Mexican. I remember all of our, all my friends, if they, it would, it would just be this evolving thing. It's like, hey, Matt. Hey, Matt Dillon. Hey, Matt. You know, it always, and it would just kind of evolve and it'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, or whatever. But, but it, you know, everybody kind of had their image. The most of, white boy yeah, name. Yeah. White, yeah. famous white boy yeah. name. Yeah. Right. And, and you just go, that's just, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but it's probably little stuff like that. I remember seeing uh, something years ago about, even about China, and I've never been to China either, but they were, uh, talking about how like the Marlboro man is they have like a Chinese version of it right and they kind of had a, a I don't know if it was a fascination probably a fascination with selling cigarettes and making a bunch of money but um, but they just kind of had their own version of our own like cowboy thing mm-hmm. you know it's like huh that is interesting it's yeah. not it's not good or bad it's just wow that's crazy that, it, yeah. that, that we influence each other all the way across the ocean like that you know yeah. mm-hmm Okay, so. so back to the things that you like your most important lessons from India. So, yeah, um, I mean, there was that. And then I guess probably that I needed like I, I needed some type of discipline in my life. And that's what the practice actually did for me. And I learned how to um kind of going back to the resiliency thing, stand up for myself in various ways, like how to create boundaries with my family. Yeah. Cause I was so far away, yeah. right? That I could kind of figure all that out as well. Have so, you always been, like your demeanor is so calm. Really? I, I don't know if my so. husband would agree with <laughs> well, that. Well, yeah. being at home, and home doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, with your kids running three and five year old, that doesn't count, but like. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta yeah. it's, it's gotta come, the top's gotta come off sometime, but like, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's, yeah. I know for sure people will say that about her and she's like, really? I mean, I mean on, for the most part you are, sometimes you're not when we're here, but uh, for the most part. So, and I, I'd always attribute it to yeah. that. To, and he'll be like, you have not practiced this. Yeah. Week. Like, like if she, ha- uh, I can tell. Because this is not, you You got to take some classes. Well, you had taken off for a good while. I took off over the summer. Yeah. And honestly, I've been kind of bad even since this fall because just because of different things. But um, it takes its toll on my personality for sure. On my I, just, I feel like you're just more like you're fiery. Irritable. You're fiery by nature, and then yeah. you're just willing to let that fire fly. <laughs> yeah, there's Real no. Quick. I haven't uh, done any kind of pranayama. I haven't <laughs> done anything to help balance it. And yeah. So, um, anyway, so I was curious of: Have you always been like you're real thoughtful? Your demeanor seem, to me is really calm. So were you like that prior to going to India or was that a result of it or? I don't know if it was a result of going to India, but it's definitely a result of practice because I was very fiery in my teenage years and early 20s. Um, Yeah, yeah, like uh, (laughs) rebellious. (laughs) I have to watch my mouth um, (laughs) because there was a name that I would often get called (laughs) because I was very fiery. Oh, you can. (laughs) Say whatever you want on the podcast. Yeah, no, we we're no, we're no strangers we to the. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can totally say yeah. whatever. It's, it's fine. But yeah, that, 
that part of it's pretty wild to me, especially as, from the outside in, because I don't, I mean, like if I go, it's once a year with you or something. And it, yeah, it's, it's just crazy to see what, what a difference it makes for, for, for her. I, I guess you're my only real example like I, that I have to, to cause I yeah, know close. And, and it is interesting too, that like for me, I did, I really only did Hatha and vinyasa and i knew that vinyasa was like the right style for me because mm -hmm. it was physical enough but we still do some just calming focusing breathing you know a little bit of meditation i tried ashtanga i really did i wanted to because i felt <laughs> like man all the serious yogis do ashtanga and i should do it and <laughs> i went and i was like oh I can't, I'm so uncomfortable, like talking about the leaning into discomfort. I uh -huh. was not leaning into it because I was so uncomfortable the whole time. And then it was really hard to go to a Mysore. I went to a Mysore class one time and I'm like, I don't know what anybody is doing right, right. now, you know? So um, vinyasa was the right speed. It's like the right speed for me, mm -hmm. you know? So is it still really common, like say just, we'll just take America, you know, or the West in general, but is it still really common for us to look at it as just a, a physical thing? Or do you think it's growing in terms of the spiritual side of it here too? Cause I feel like maybe it's just cause of a product of where I live mm -hmm. and the people that I'm around a lot. Cause I, the one thing I have noticed about a lot of artists, not myself excluded, but I've noticed a lot, a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of artist friends and it seems like the ones that really find their kind of groove with it, with, with their craft, whatever that is, they also incorporate some form of meditation yeah. or, yeah. Or the whole thing, you know, yeah. um, with yoga. So I don't know, but I feel like it's, I feel like in, from my perspective, I can see more people taking both sides of that, but maybe not on the whole, you know, like you said earlier, the West really hasn't been known for taking in the spiritual side of it, but more the physical, right? Yeah. I mean, if it's kind of getting complicated these days because you, you have all these styles, right? And so some will have other practices like pranayama and meditation, and then others don't. But then, then we start to have these other practices like yoga nidra, which some consider the whole practice meditation, right? Um, so I, I think it's, it's happening. I think that there's a bit of a shift. And then also with more awareness around what we're doing and the idea of culture, you know, appropriation and, mm -hmm with all of that kind of bubbling to the surface, then people are, are starting to become more aware as well. Yeah. That, you know, you're taking this practice that has existed for a long time and now you're kind of commodifying it and putting a stamp on right. it. Right, yeah, I was and, gonna ask you about that. And so I think that's part of the shift as well. So do they, is it a commodity in India or is it purely just a spiritual practice thing or like, how does it work over there? Do they, are, do they have yoga teachers that make their living being yoga teachers or how does that work? Not like here. No, no. they don't mm -hmm. have the, what are they called? The influencers, the Instagram oh, influencer, yeah. right, right. like yoga teacher type person. No, you have the woman <clears throat> or the man, right. That, that lives in the neighborhood and, and everyone knows that this person does this and people would go there for, you know, sometimes to 
see receive some type of practice as like a therapy you know mm -hmm, they have mm -hmm. some type of oh. illness or ailment but then it's it's also kind of hand in hand with ayurveda so you have the sister science of yoga where there may be someone who practices in ayurveda and so they're it's completely different. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so for them, is it more of a spiritual thing than it is? Like in general, I guess, in India, is it more of a spiritual thing than just a physical thing? Or is it just a combination? I think it really depends. Yeah. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, the spiritual side is just kind of innately within everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it would be within the practice of yoga as well. Yeah. Um. And and maybe now because, you know, they've had much more exposure to the West, things have shifted. But I can like, for instance, when I went the first time. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Um, so when I went the first time, you know, the my teacher wouldn't do a whole lot of like really intense physical adjustments and we had to have pranayama sessions and we had to study the shakriyas which are like the cleansing practices like the mm -hmm. the nati pot for instance mm -hmm. is one of those but they have really intense is that ones like Ooh. the are we talking the water that goes, that in goes up one, your nose oh, yeah or the clean. solution it goes up one nose and out the other right right right, right. so all of that was and and some of that might be considered more under like the ayurveda branch you know like taking certain herbs or eating certain foods all of that all of that was part of it okay the second time I went back, and that's only four years, I think, later, um, there was a shift. Those uh, weren't necessarily, I mean, it was part of it, but it didn't feel as mandatory, okay. right? And then he was doing way more intense physical adjustments, like kind of circusy stuff where he'd do an arm balance on your back when you're in a forward fold or, oh you know, stuff like that. Did you that. notice more Westerners Westerners there? Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, he, he eventually, I heard that after that trip, he was actually building a new shala is what they call it. Like a, a, a So he was space. adapting too. Right. Okay. So my point being, I think that things kind of shift as they're exposed, right? Yeah. It's now yeah. becoming this blending of, and, mm -hmm. and I, you know, that's what it kind of seems like. I mean, again, the city we live in here is obviously going to be more open to things like that than your average Texas, you know, town. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we go to Corpus and we can yeah, hardly even find a yeah, yoga studio find, right. to go to. But I will say there are, it's not that there aren't people interested. There are yeah. definitely people that I've noticed our age. And your sister's, your sister's doing Yeah, yeah. And, and, and for her, I think it still is pretty much a physical thing, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but she seems to love it. But, you know, it, it's just an interesting thing to see how that other piece kind of bleeds into it. Because I've noticed, like I said, and I'm looking at it from a completely different perspective, is just that when people kind of, quote unquote, get their shit together with whatever thing they want to pursue it seems like the one i've known a lot of people now who <laughs> they have some common thing themes of things that they end up being successful in meditation is usually one of them it's mm -hmm. a, or yeah. some form of it's it. an aspect of <clears throat> or it's a part of their life they've made it a part right of life. right and it's conscious and it's something that they're doing regularly daily. yeah i'm curious about if you're if you're teaching like do you 
how much time do you set aside daily for you to do your own practice? <laughs> okay, I can interpret that laugh a couple ways. <laughs> right now, it's almost non-existent, you know, but we're in the, it's, these are just crazy times. So yeah, yeah Has my, it changed <clears throat> your, I know you're having to adapt to um, having your boys at home all the time right not going to a studio to teach mm -hmm. luckily you can go out back and do it but um how has that affected life for you it's hard yeah because i mean that's one thing that always kept me feeling um whatever word you want to use like grounded saying yeah. you know yeah and so with having the kids home and you know with having to adjust to all the things that you have to adjust to with this pandemic I, it's, I don't have time, yeah. you know? And I had to take a business and completely restructure. Mm -hmm. I never wanted to have an online yoga studio and here yeah. I am, you know? Yeah, so. that's, I wanna, I wanna talk about that too. So um, I met you in the days of the previous yoga studio that you were at, which was Yoga Yoga, right? right. And then they closed and then I was ecstatic whenever you opened your mm -hmm. own studio, right? So. I want to know more about the journey into like taking the plunge to open your own studio and then obviously having to get creative and be resilient in um, co during COVID and everything that's happened. So tell tell mm. us about that. <laughs> um, if you want. Man, this year has been like a shit storm. Yeah. <laughs> it's just. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because, you know, my husband is a contractor. He's been telling me I should open up my own studio for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I never was really that interested because I've managed one before and it's it's a lot of work. Yeah. But when Yoga Yoga closed and I was looking around town and I was like, man, where am I going to teach mm -hmm. with with, you know, moving forward with all the things that I think are important, like having that aspect of spirituality and having meditation and all of that be present. And we had I mean, I have to say you know, what was also so appealing about taking your classes was we had a really nice community. Yeah. And it was the regulars. We all went yeah. and it was the same faces. And we started to venture out and spend time together outside of yoga. Which, yeah. You know, it t when you're when you're older and you have your friends, you don't need new friends. And then you happen to meet people that you realize you spend a lot of time with because in this case, you do yoga together. Well, because yeah. it becomes such a common thread between you two yeah. like, right it seems like your other friends let's it seems like you just they lack up, that part you end up right in pockets mm -hmm. of friends that you have and and then for some that when that gets bigger in your life something like that gets bigger in your life it seems like you you would be drawn to yeah doing stuff more than just meeting in class so we mm -hmm. had exchanged numbers when we found out that yoga yoga was closing mm -hmm. and we would all text back where's Mary going where's Mary gonna have class this week where are you gonna go you know let's go there and then even to where it was Ranga Chris um a couple other people we were like we'll just ask Mary to do privates with us you know like a small group uh -huh. and then that's why we were really happy and just elated when we found out that you were gonna open Studio Satya mm -hmm. okay so I hijacked that story a little bit so <laughs> let's talk about opening that studio so um, so once I decided, I reached out to a lot of the teachers I'd worked with for a long period of time, mm -hmm. and they were also trying to figure out what am I going to do? Yeah. 
And they were all on board. And, and so I said, okay, we're gonna do this. And I started looking for locations and then I found one. Then I went down the permitting rabbit hole, which was a mess. And there was a point where I, I was told by the city of Austin that I was gonna have to basically update the space and uh, adhere to some code that was related to um, the electrical work and the panels outside. And I was getting quotes of 50 to $70,000 from oh, electricians. Gosh. And I had already signed the lease. And oh, no. in a commercial lease, you're locked yes. in, right? Yes. And so I won't go into it because that is a whole nother long story. But there's at one point where I was like, I'm gonna have to file bankruptcy because I can't afford to pay this amount of money for the electricity. And I also can't get out of this lease. So I'm gonna have to just file bankruptcy and see where, you know. But I decided to go down to the city almost every day for I don't know how long with my kids in tow. I mean, you can imagine like sitting in the city of Austin permitting office, talking to the electrical reviewer and my my three-year-olds climbing under the desk and my five-year-olds like playing with his pins and it's chaos. And he's like, just trying to get me out. You know, like, what can I do to get you out of here? You're like, sign this <laughs> and get me out of this contract. How about that? Yeah. You're like, kick him yeah <laughs> you know you're like hoping your sons will harass him uh -huh. as much as they can <laughs> yeah so eventually they i'm i don't know how it all happened i whether it's luck or whether it was my persistence yeah but the city came up with a different solution and i finally got an elect electrician on board so fast forward i went through all that and we were able to open up my husband did. But it wasn't the mm. same space that Studio Sapio was in, right? So I have a small backyard studio yes. that we built a couple of years ago yes. that I was only using for privates. Okay. Yeah. And then I ended up moving a teacher training there and other things when Yoga Yoga closed. Yeah. But yeah, I wasn't really holding. I hold. I held maybe a couple classes there. That's okay. it. Yeah. Gotcha. So no, this was a completely different space. Okay. Yeah. And um. So my husband did all the work. He put up the walls. We put in, I laid the floors and it was a massive, you know, remodel. I mean, it was just one big open space and we mm -hmm. turned it into two rooms and a lobby and, and yeah, then COVID. <laughs> yeah, man, I, uh, I just, that, that's the worst. Like when this whole thing got going, I remember I was thinking, oh, I actually thought about it because we had gone. That was the first time I met you was at that. And I, that wasn't your opening, but it was the New Year's Day thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like. It was a beautiful space. It came up. Yeah, it really it. was. And it came up and I was like, man, they chose to do it. And there's no, no way possible they could have known anything mm -hmm. of the sort would happen. Yeah. So, so I do want to ask the question or go back to that question that, that you said of when you decided I mean, obviously, when you took the plunge, this happened and there's no way to plan for that. But when you made the decision mm -hmm. to take the plunge, mm -hmm. what was going through your mind and yeah. how did you arrive at that? Like, I'm doing it. That's it. I'm drawing the line right here because I know we have that issue. That's yeah, so, the that whole is, podcast is really about that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to know when you just are going to go for it. Right. Like mm -hmm. when you're going to go, OK, I'm going to I'm going to put my eggs here mm -hmm. and this is what I'm going to pursue. So mm -hmm. what made you? say, okay, let's do this. I don't know. I, I just felt 
like everything was pointing me in that direction, you know? So, I mean, I guess it started with my, what I would have considered my home studio was Eastside Yoga. And they decided to sell the studio and um, the new studio, they're, they're lovely, but it didn't really fit with like where I wanted to go. And mm-hmm. so um, I didn't, I ended up basically moving my classes to Yoga Yoga. And then when mm-hmm. Yoga Yoga was closing, I was like, man. And so it was kind of now like, Now they closed okay. before COVID, right? Or Yoga uh, yeah, Yoga? Yeah, they, oh, they, Theirs was not COVID related. Not okay. at all. Okay. No, no. yeah. Okay. So once they closed, I, I just started to, kind of look around and and figure out like what's what's next yeah and it seemed like the only well and you probably had a lot of people nudging you that direction i right? did i mean so I, that's, I could that's, probably that's even, good actually i mean yeah having people tell you to do it i'm sure you. i probably contributed too because like i said a group of us that were regulars were like why doesn't she just open her own place we'd mm-hmm. all go there you know um yeah it was a saturday morning class mm-hmm. And I remember it was packed. There were probably like 50 people in the class. And I get out and there's a, a, I don't even know how many, like maybe 10 or 12. Maybe you were even in that group. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. But there were 10 or 12 people in in a circle in the lobby talking. I was like, what's going on over there? Because it seemed like secretive, you know? (laughs) And I just walked past and went to the back office. And then I came back out and Paul pulled me aside. And he's like, all of those people want you to open up your own studio. Mm -hmm. And we're willing to to support you. Yeah. And and I have a thing about, which if Paul was here, he would tell you all about it. I have a thing about like accepting help or taking... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like taking money or anything like that. And ah. so at first I, I was like, no, um, I'm not going to open up my own studio because that involves money and that involves investors because even just the remodeling process of a commercial space, yeah. you know, costs around $70,000 or something like that. Um, and so when when there was that extra push, then I thought, okay, well, if students are going to go, yeah. and if this place is closing, why not? Yeah. Right. I mean, because then, even if you think about when the transition was happening, they had already warned people that class, like that they were going to be closing or potentially closing. Really, the regular, like the classes that were full were your classes. You know, you could go to any other classes and it was sporadic. You didn't know how many people were going to show up or not. So. Yeah, you definitely have a group of people that are. Well, and you figure like in that instance, it sounds to me like, <clears throat> yes, they would want to support you because they because it's you and it, et cetera. But then it's also for them. Too, right. Yeah. They're like, yeah. You know, they need a space. They need they a space practice. and they want to practice and they want to practice with you. Yeah. So like, how, they probably just started like that. Like, how can we make this happen? You know, mm-hmm. and that's. That's awesome. I mean, and and yeah, I, I get the not wanting to take something because mm-hmm. I have that same issue, you know. And I think I think most people who are creating their own way kind of have that issue. But yeah, th- at some point, it's like the only way to forge ahead is mm-hmm. if you, especially if you have people that are already saying they want to follow in in that, you know. That's mm-hmm. so. That's cool. What else do you have there, Nisa? I can see uh, you got a bunch of stuff written down. I know, I about a lot of, a lot of <laughs> yeah, I can see you're looking at it. <laughs> I know. Let me turn my volume off. Kind of, I think, I think in um, keeping in being a business owner, right? So you obviously have had to pivot and figure out a different way 
So I guess I'm just curious about how you've been creative, you know, in light of everything that's going on mm -hmm. to keep, um, just keep the community going. Yeah, I think, you know, at this point, what I've kind of learned from this whole thing is you, it's like you look at what's next in a sense of, okay, well, well, where am I going with this? What's possible? And then what do I need for that to happen? Mm -hmm. And so when it, it was interesting because the first weekend, right, when when it when we knew something was going to happen, you know, in March, um, in March. Yes. Yeah, I think it was like March 10th or something. It like was that. around there. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I that weekend I said, I'm going to stream my classes. And people are like, why? Because it was so early on, right? I was like, because I can, I just feel it that people aren't gonna wanna come and I want them to be able to practice. So I'm just gonna stream my class. And so I had a laptop set up right in front of me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of the regular students came in and I was surprised that that class normally had like 30, 40 people and there were probably 15. Mm -hmm. And so that told me right away. I was like, okay. Like this can be done. This, it's changing. Yeah, yeah. This, can, this can be done and clearly it's needed because yeah. half of the people aren't here, right? And so that weekend I decided we're gonna start moving classes online. And I had someone help me because it was a massive undertaking to figure out how, cause you know, no one was really doing this. There's not the software, the platform to do it. Yeah, you don't, so, have, they don't have an app that's built for it yet. No. You, right, yeah. So we were looking at Zoom and we were looking at something else and-, and You're mixing a match and stuff to try to figure out how to- Yep. And so finally, we just were like, we're going to do it with Zoom. So we had to create all the meetings for all the classes and then figure out how to plug it in to our like booking software. And so it was huge. I, I probably didn't sleep for like three days trying to figure it all out. Did Zoom, did I hear right? And I remember we were using Zoom early on. Now we, for school, we use Google Meet, but did Zoom limit the amount of, did they change their amount of time you could be on there? So I don't know if they changed it, but the free account, you can only be on minutes. there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It'll mm -hmm. cut you off. So did that mess with you or did you just plan around that and say? I just I just paid for the pro account right off oh, the bat. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That was smart. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I paid for the pro account. And at first we were just using like one Zoom room, but then it was a mess because we had so many different classes. And I was, I was like, we need individual meetings for each class so that they can overlap. If So if you have the pro account, is there like a, a main conference room and then you can branch out into your different? You or? could do that, but what we have is basically individual meetings set okay. up. Yeah. You just create different meeting links. Okay. And yeah. That way they don't they end up in a different room. Isn't it crazy? We're all going to be like experts at this this online. It is shit crazy. I never wanted to know about any of this. Yeah, I never cared know? once. If you would ever said, "Hey, let's Google Meet. Let's Google Hangout." Yeah. No, let's just hang out. Yeah. Uh -huh. And as a yoga teacher too, you know, you're used to interacting with people in person, so mm -hmm. just adjusting to that. Um, I wondered too, how have you changed as a yoga teacher because you've had to do it online? a lot yeah oh, really? and sometimes i yeah and not for the better always or i don't know because you know i just had that outdoor class the other yeah, day i was gonna ask you where was it it was on the schedule i but, was on the schedule but i could yeah. not figure out where to go oh 
Oh, it was near the, it was underneath the picnic or near the picnic sheltered area. Oh. Yeah. We, there was a map that we put out in the newsletter, but you might've missed that. And then we tried to put it on Instagram and Facebook and stuff. But, okay, gotcha. um, but Which I there's another issue, right? You're like, damn it. I, somebody that wants to go, how the hell do I get it to them? Make yep. sure they got it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's been really difficult because you don't, you don't always see them in class now, yes. you know? So we try the newsletter, but a lot of people don't get that. And we yeah. try yeah. social media anyways. Um, with the outdoor class, I realized I don't interact as much, you know, like um, make jokes or laugh or it's just because there's no, yeah. you know, yeah, there's no engagement. Now, is the outdoor class, are you just on a screen and you're outdoors or you have people outdoors with you? Oh, so this particular class was outdoors so that people could attend in could person attend. and it so that they felt safe, you know, social yeah. distancing. Was it a lot so, more people that would normally be in a studio? In the studio? Mm -hmm. No. I, back in the day? Mm -hmm. No. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, there was about 20, 25 people in the outdoor class and that class back in the day would have had like 40, maybe 50. Yeah. Um, but, I was able to interact with everyone. It was so good to see them yeah. and we were laughing. And so that part is completely mm -hmm. different. You know, we don't have the interaction. And so sometimes I feel like I'm just talking into a void, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and I, there ends up being funny moments where I'm like talking to myself and I'm like, just kidding. I'm here <laughs> talking to myself, you know? Yeah. So yeah. there's still those lighthearted moments, yeah. you know, but it's not the same in that but way. But you're having, your mind is trusting that they're listening to you and right. they're probably on their other side of their screen going, mm -hmm. ha, ha. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, you have to trust that because that yeah. happens to me at school all the time where yeah. I'm like, hey, so stop me if you understand or don't understand something and maybe just send me a chat and let me know you're like there, you know? Right, like you're talking <laughs> into a void. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. it does feel that way. And then it's weird though, it's also weird when you do that and you say respond in some way and then they do and then you're like oh geez they you were are listening. there holy uh -huh. moly that means you heard everything i just said what yeah. did i just say <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah yeah that's that's a weird weird phenomenon it's like gonna be something that we're all just living with <laughs> yeah just adjusting to i bet you've probably experienced the same thing whereas because there's not as much engagement or, or interaction um, I found that I'm talking way more. Yeah. Right. Which also means as a yoga teacher that my I, I feel like my cues or my descriptions, all all the language that I use to teach a class has gotten better because yeah. Uh, yeah. that's all yeah. there is. Yeah. You know, you have to be really descriptive on right. how you want them to move right guess, right well yeah and and it's it would seem to me that it just like if you're teaching anything you also know when you're kind of spinning your wheels to come up with something and you're just kind of talking to mm -hmm. get to the point mm -hmm. but the more you do that the more you hear yourself do that and then you're like oh i gotta shape this shit up i right. gotta really sharpen this up so that i'm not yeah. just running my mouth for no reason uh -huh. empty words you know mm -hmm. and so that has gotten better too i think mm -hmm. you know um, so I don't know. Yeah, but it's, it is the strangest thing far and away that I've ever experienced. It's, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, when we kind of wrap up each episode, we always share what we call our top three. And so 
top threes kind of like things that resonated with us in the conversation that we well, think are- and, and with the theme that you said was sort of this leaning into discomfort thing we usually try to tie it to the title yeah but we're pretty loose about that too so <laughs> yeah and how it contributes to creativity or how it contributes to just being in the world you know and so i wrote down uh, I was so enthralled with the India story. Like I'm, um, it's, it's still well because we number one we haven't been. Yeah, and it's only been. it's a place I've only read about in books, and probably the image that I have of it is not what you know. Yeah, what a line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, have I have so a million many, questions about I know, that. I have so many more questions. We need to do another. Let's just do a wine. An Indian night. one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Indian sit. podcast. Oh, yeah. we just do a pod. Yeah, we don't have to do podcasts. We can just don't no, talk. No about podcast. We we'll just sit around a table and have wine. <laughs> I don't know. I, I love listening to podcasts. <laughs> yeah, learn a lot so, of shit, and I don't have to read it. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a couple, but Matthew, if you want it, maybe the two of us together can combine um, top three. And then Mary, as like you hear things that stuck with us, feel free to like, you know, add to it or um, just whatever comes to mind whenever you hear what we share. But um, I think the first thing that stuck with me the most that I connected with was um, when you said that you learned to be resilient and independent. Um, I can say the same thing. So when I took this job, um, the, the current job that I'm in, it required a lot of travel. Mm-hmm. And um, what's unique on in this job was typically you'd think if you have to travel, you go with groups of, you know, you'd go at least with somebody else. But the um, assignments that I was given, all of us would go to different locations and it was extensive travel. So mm-hmm. I had to go to Japan or to Okinawa or Okinawa in Japan or England. You know, I'd go to all of these places on my own by myself. God. And it was like okay, like you want to get out there while you're there. You can't just sit in your hotel room because you're afraid. Yeah. So you just need to go out there and take the plunge. And I will say, you know, because of that, I am more creative um, because I can imagine all the things I saw or Mm -hmm. all the people I met while I was there or all the foods I tried, you know, and my surroundings. And I think that has contributed considerably to well that cultural like you said earlier about your kids you know you want them to to do that early it's i mean i think it's huge my parents didn't travel didn't take us outside the country but they took us all over the country yeah and so i did get to meet people from from and and i say meet i just got to encounter or or uh see people interact in a different way in different places not everything was we spent a lot of time in Texas because we lived here, but not everything was all about Texas. And so when we would go those other places, I'd come home and go, wow, there's some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when we got older, we ended up traveling outside the country and it was like, whoa, there's a lot of cool stuff. <laughs> you know, now you can't get enough places in the world. You know? Right. So, um, okay. Do you have one that you want to add? Yeah. Uh, well, something that the, to, to the, the resilient part, the interesting part about your version of it versus her version of it is yours was for a job that you had that you and you know and you had to like you were already in it right and the interesting part about yours is that you just kind of like jumped in the lake yeah. and we're like mm-hmm. in this place and and now you and you probably it almost sounded like and maybe i'm putting words in your mouth but it almost sounded like you you didn't you were totally ignorant to the idea that you would have to be resilient 
Yes. And then you were like, <laughs> whoa, yeah. I, you got to be people. A person that did that had to be pretty tough. And I'm the person that did that. So I must be pretty tough. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that was interesting. And then the other thing about the I think that stood out to me was the 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 group that was standing around saying that they wanted you to start your practice. It reminded me of this story. Uh, you ever read The Outsiders or see the movie? Remember the 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 Patrick, Patrick no. Swayze and Rob Lowe and all of them the were in the movie. Misfit Boys. Yeah, well, Essie Hinton boys. was, I think she was from somewhere in Oklahoma. I could be getting that totally wrong. But um, she was in high school and somebody saw some talent in her and offered, when she got out of high school, she had to have a job or whatever. And she'd been like, I don't remember what she was doing, but she didn't have time to write. And they stopped her and they it was a group of them, her friends that pulled together $50,000 and said, you got a year on us, write something. And she wow. wrote the outsiders that year. In one Which year. is the book that all seventh grade <laughs> that's, students That's taught in seventh read. grade. Yeah. Oh, well, wow. used to, it's actually not mm-hmm. what we're doing now. We oh. should be, but yeah, or it used do. to be. Yeah. Well, I, I still guess. do, but yeah, it used yeah. to be. So, um, yeah, I thought so. It's like you know when something like that comes up, and you you know you think eh, maybe maybe not. I don't know if I, want to. I always think of that, and I'm like, yeah, probably should do it. Right. Try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where was your family like terrified when you told them you were going to move to India? Oh yeah, yeah. My mom has always been pretty supportive, and it, she's probably scared shitless, but she won't show it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like, That's why she set the two days up. Yeah. She exactly. didn't trust you to deal with the first two yeah. days. No. Uh-uh. Just get on your feet. Yeah. Yeah. But my my dad's side of the family is different. I went up there to visit. And it was probably a month or so before I was supposed to leave. And I remember sitting there in the living room. And then all of a sudden, the chairs start moving. Oh, gosh. And now they're, it's like a row of them in front of me. Intervention. Exactly. They were going to have an intervention. Oh, yeah. And it was full on intervention yeah and you just said no i'm going yep mm-hmm. wow and you know but i knew Gosh. like some of their fear was coming from ignorance you know yeah like some of the questions that and i'm not you know i'm not blaming them yeah you know but some of their questions were you know well you know they have multiple wives out there and you're just going to become one of their wives oh and- no <laughs> yeah well all the things that they've heard but, but, from but, right, but, but places, there you right. go we, coming back to the same thing i mean i know it's not right to to like you know it's not right to stereotype but it's okay to like pattern seek and there's a fine line between what's stereotyping and what's seeing patterns and if you don't have never been there then you have this one image and you don't know right and there's no way i get like i have a, a really weird phobia about because of what happened in when we were in uh god yeah when we were what were we paris. Rome, paris yeah we were in paris at the arc arch arc arc the triumph yeah it's and, arc arch of triumph but i never say it right and yeah and there's this they have this like five lanes of traffic going around the damn oh thing. yes you uh-huh. know yes and, yeah Champs-Élysées or something like that okay right? whatever yeah. you almost said that <laughs> <laughs> but they that night it was 2010 and spain won the world cup that night oh my and God. even in paris it was just craziness right we decided to go on this on this like 30 or on, on for our 30th birthday we decided to go on this trip and Matthew decides we're at the end of this street. Well, I wanted to go under the arch. Yeah. But I didn't know how to get there other than to, to cross, cross the street. The oh. And so I said, well, we're just going to, it must be not normally this busy, but it's this craziness. So somebody will let us buy or we'll find an opening. And so I see one and I run. Like I run Frogger. For it. He's like Frogger, Made literally. It, right? 
But I look back and she's on the other side of the street. <gasps> now it's like, you know. He left me there. Damn romancing <laughs> the like, stone. And it's like, we're on the side, other side of the river. It's like, I don't, come and on. We're you yelling know? at each other from across, like, oh, she's yelling. And like, she's giving me the finger. And, How am I supposed to get over there? Oh, so we now wow. we're just kind of moving we're like this. each other around. Probably 30 minutes. We're just like, I can see her. And then somewhere in that time, I can't see her anymore. <gasps> and I was like, where the hell did she go? You where know, did I'm you... freaking out. So I find another opening and I dart back across the street. I'm looking around, I'm looking, 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 and I'd already seen Taken. I'm like thinking she's sold into sex slavery by now, it's over. <laughs> so I turn around, I look, and she's under the arch I'm now. In and she's middle, and what he, the we have now switched. <laughs> and we are looking at each other and I'm like, <laughs> so now we're like, he's all wet. And I was, I had found There's the an underground. underground Tunnel, oh, or like, I guess you go down the I steps. knew there had to be one. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, oh, it was yeah. that. God, that. So stupid. That's hilarious. That's Just, the so were you, were you able to mouth that back to him so he knew to go, okay. I was like, oh. And then it was mostly like. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Pointing that. The, yeah. Pretty sure I did flip him off Yo, a couple like times. like 20 too. times. Yeah. And I was like. <laughs> <laughs> but, when I, but I will say when I when I got to you, I was like, I'll never leave you again, I swear. You know, and I'm all pissed. Well, you know? so ever since then, I've had like, and the reason why I was prompted that story was that ever since then, I'm like, oh, you can't go by yourself anymore. You're going to get sold into sex slavery. Kind of, it's just like this, yeah. you jump, your this mind jumps to the is... immediate worst thing that you can, you know, imagine. Yeah. And so if your parents' yeah. fear was like, oh, she's never coming back, she's going to end up somebody's wife. Right. One of a hundred or whatever it is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's irrational, but it, it, it exists. Right. Um, my last of the top three um, that stuck with me, I wrote down be descriptive. But what I really mean, I think by that is be um, really intentional about your words. Because you said that you've learned um, to teach through a computer screen now, but that you have to be pretty specific about the way that you're offering cues to yeah. your students, right? And I think about it too. I mean, I'm having to teach, um, I teach teachers is what I do. So I'm having to teach teachers across a screen and I have to be really specific about what I'm asking them to do, what I want them to focus on, how I want them to respond. And I think that was something that was captured in um, what you were describing whenever you were mm -hmm. teaching. Well, that's three for us. So if you, I guess if you had any of out of your experience with like between learning your practice, sort of like it changing, evolving over time, and then obviously using that practice that everything you learn and then starting a business. If you had like three, if somebody told you they were about to take the same path as you, what would be the three things you would tell them? Hmm. I mean, honestly, it's funny how you when you emailed me you said the theme of like leaning into discomfort yeah and i think ultimately that's the biggest piece of it because you know when i think back to like each shift or change like deciding to open my own place it was extremely uncomfortable to like navigate the bureaucracy of permitting and stuff like that. And, and like thinking I was going to have to file bankruptcy. Like I was like meeting all my demons at that point, you know, yeah. like, what is my life going to be like? Yeah. And what's this going to do to my family? And, and sitting with that discomfort, I think was the biggest piece because then once I, I did and I realized like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. I file bankruptcy. That's it. I still have my family. I still have my friends. I still have my practice. I'm mm -hmm. just 
bankrupt. <laughs> oh, wow. No, that's, that is, that is, that's uh, like, and I, and like I told you, I always listen to podcasts. And if you've ever heard of Tim Ferriss, he talks about fear setting before you go into business. Yeah. Basically think of the worst thing that could possibly happen. And if uh -huh. you're still okay with it, then you can keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think that that idea of it, it's like sitting with that discomfort of what's the worst thing that can happen. Right. And then do I still want to do this? You know, and so like, do you want like you're do you want to do it? Is that what you're saying? Like, like, um, is it worth is it? Is it worth it? Is that is that what you're saying? A possibility, right? Like okay. a check in mm -hmm. with yourself to be like, all right, is this how bad do I want this? Right, is it worth going through all the BS with the electrician, you know? right? Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, That's yeah. I great. think asking that question is huge. It's yeah. like <laughs> sometimes you do stuff and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't even really want to do this anyway, you know? Mm -hmm. So well, and for us too, we have really long-term goals of like many people that are artists that maybe listen to this um, podcast is um, acknowledging what the change would be, right? If you say, okay, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's start our own business. Let's make the production company our sole life, you know, mm -hmm. and not, not try to do all these other things around us just to be able to do this on the side mm -hmm. um and we haven't had the courage to do what you're saying that no because we've gotten really comfortable with the amount of money that we have mm -hmm. and to deal with and it's not an endless amount of money so it's enough to sustain a life that we we're happy with right and so giving those things up would mean we don't know what it would mean we don't yeah. we you know when that that mm -hmm. that part of it is like so uncharted it's like ah well not yet later maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> you know so we keep pushing it back we haven't quite but that's leaned. why we got that's whole the whole the whole podcast got started yeah, yeah. we well, haven't quite leaned into the discomfort no, fully yet i guess no not even to the fear <laughs> i yeah for, i think you know that part of the the discomfort or fear for me it's like once i kind of sat with it and man i mean you can ask some of my friends back then in november when i was going through all this I was a wreck. I don't yeah. think I've been that much of a wreck in my entire life. As you were about to open or plan to open? Yeah, as I was I was like looking at this space going, okay, I can't do anything to it because mm -hmm. I can't get a permit and I can't get out of this contract. So I'm looking at filing bankruptcy right now. And then also disappointing all these people that were behind me. Mm -hmm. And then all these teachers that I had brought on board that hadn't gone elsewhere because they thought the studio was gonna happen. So it wasn't just the bankruptcy, it was all these things. Yeah. Like disappointing so many people and then failure yep. mm -hmm. like all of that I was looking at it in the face thinking this is what's going to happen yep. you know and then with sitting in that discomfort realizing like well if this is the worst of it you know <laughs> can I can I get through this yeah. and once I realized I could and once I realized like that's the worst of it that could possibly happen, it was liberating because it's like, okay, well now I don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like, yeah. I'm gonna go it. for it. Roll and, dice. and if I go bankrupt, I go bankrupt. And if yeah. I disappoint these people, I disappoint these people. Now I'm just gonna go for it. Well, yeah. and when you think about it that way, it's really, it's kind of weird. Like you, you know, we all kind of, if you ever see somebody just in Vegas sort of like, I'm gonna let this shit ride right now. We all kind of go, God, I wish I could do that, yeah. you know? And that's kind of a similar thing. You're just doing it over a longer period, you know? Mm -hmm. You're doing that every day rather than on one roll of dice. And yeah. it's, it's. I guess it's just fortunate that you're September Resilient 20. Yeah, well, yeah, too. that for sure. And that your September 2020 self couldn't go to your, to your November 2019 self and be like, hey, 
you're worrying about all the wrong shit. It's not going to matter. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> you don't even so, know what's yeah. happening. Well, I mean, that's, that's the, the interesting thing is because people ask me all the time. They're like, how are you doing? Because you just spent all your money mm-hmm. and all this time on a building that you now no longer, I didn't own, but you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And yes. your business is like now completely different and all of that energy and all that time, how are you doing with the fact that you just threw it all down the drain? And Which it and, wasn't down the drain at all because you learned so much more right, than yeah. anyone, any one of us knows. You right. Know? And yeah. once, I mean, guarantee, once we're able to practice together again, all your people that love you and supported you will want to take part and support you again. Right. But but honestly, at this point, it's like, because what I've experienced is like so much, there's so much uncertainty and there's, you can do all of these things and like build this empire and then it can crumble. Yeah. I'm not even putting any stock or energy into that. I'm, I'm just in a place from like, what am I doing right now? Today, yeah. You know? What do I need and, to do? you know, and put everything you got into it because that's really all you can do. So I think that's like the biggest lesson I got out of it was you just got to go for it sometimes and you just do it as long as you can or want to and then it works or it doesn't, you know? Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd even, and see, that's another one of those uh, things that I've noticed that people who get successful at stuff, they, they have this mentality that where they narrow it down to, all right, I don't know where it's going to go in six months or a year. I have an idea of where I'd love for it to go, but I got to chip away at whatever I can do today. Right. You know, if I'm, if I'm tunneling up, thing out to get myself out of prison I'm doing it one spoonful at a time you know Mm -hmm. and it's and and those people that can stomach the idea of just not knowing for sure Mm -hmm. and still continuing to chip away at it they seem to do well you know Mm -hmm. so yeah well cool that's all I got this is awesome (laughs) thank you Mary for taking time to come seriously talk with us and I've been I've been waiting for you to come talk. So, <laughs> it was um, fun. Yeah, Thank you. so fun. And then now we have an excuse. We'll have to do a follow up. <laughs> yeah, we can do a follow up, but we also need an in between follow up yeah, with yeah. just a bottle of wine and sit around and yeah. hang out. I want to hear about India. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. All, All right. right. Thank well, you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Seems appropriate. Okay. <laughs>